Hello, Indigos, and welcome back to Waking Up With Zen. I'm your guide, teacher, and host, Zen Katori. My healing philosophy? One and done. Because there is an end. What is that end? Well, only you can know. You have a specific thing you are supposed to be doing, and by not doing it, you are not aligned. This misalignment is what causes disease and sickness to manifest in our lives. This misalignment is not a bad thing. It's actually a map to your happiness, and it tells you specifically how and why you are out of alignment, as well as how to get back. This separation from our ideal causes disease in our body, whether it's pain, lack of movement or motion, or even internal or external issues. Disease will go away if you're aligned, soul, mind, body, and future. But how can you know all the things about those things? By listening to Waking Up With Zen, of course. (laughs) So today on Waking Up With Zen, we will be looking at how clarity, touch, and fun are the three key elements to our fundamental needs as a human being God. But if we don't have clarity of mind, touch, or fun in our lives, we will always have disease. By achieving peace of mind through certainty, receiving regular touch through body work, and aiming to have fun in our lives, we will have created a solid foundation for the longevity of our personal garden paradise, where things are abundant, continually increase, make fruitful, and happen rapidly. Life's a garden, so let's dig it today on Waking Up With Zen. Life's not hard, but we've been taught some pretty crazy things. Life's just been made hard by our teachers. Life's been made hard by people who are guessing at their own existence. Life's been made hard by people who believe you need to submit to another man's way of dominance in order to find happiness. Life's been hard because we've simply done what someone else told us to do. And yet, you see people out in the world who seem to have it easy, right? They're on television, out and about in town, and they might even annoy you with their happy-go-lucky attitude about life. As you keep listening on Waking Up With Zen, you'll realize how powerful you are and how much control you have over every aspect of your life. And you, too, will be one of those easy, easy living people who seem to have it all. But how is it that we can have it all? I mean, we already know we're in heaven, so how can we make it better? Well, if you've done your share of mazes, you'll know it's a lot easier to start at the end and work towards the beginning. When you know where you want to be, and then you know where you're at, then you can begin to bridge the two of those points together. Once you see how two points converge, then you know how to achieve your personal paradise on Earth. What is the end? When we are born, all is known prior to us becoming human. And we all start off at the same place. However, the ending is up to us. But we have to get through our childhoods first. (laughs) First steps are usually a doozy. Over my years of researching and teaching, I discovered that all of humanity, regardless of sex, race, tradition, or culture, could potentially go through eight stages. I call these the eight stages of humanity, which are the stages any one person could have during their lifetime on Earth. Now, a majority of the world believes in only seven stages and never make it to the eighth, which is self-mastery. We've been convinced life is not heaven, so the paradise creation stage has been left out, just as heaven is left out of church and only death remains. The same way certain sects will leave out the tenth plate in the tending the ox allegory, so no one comes back to the marketplace, because they also do not believe in a life without suffering. Suffering is worldwide. All religions believe in its necessity, and no matter where you go, you'll be surrounded by people who work towards and want to suffer for most of their life. Their authorities have convinced them to believe life is all about suffering and they keep themselves in places they'd rather not be because this is right and correct. Am I suffering? Check. All right, still on track. Let's keep going. Unfortunately, because they believe it, it keeps them from seeing any other possibility. 
Plus, since they believe it to be real and absolute, they're not even looking for any other possibilities other than the ones they've already been taught or experienced. They believe they are at the end. The eight stages of humanity can be divided into three parts. Part one is childhood. Part two, adulthood. And the final part, you guessed it, mastery. Why three parts? Because, remember, life must be easy enough for a child to survive it, complex enough for an adult to fail at it, and yet be mastered by the individual. Part 1. Childhood. Childhood is divided up into four stages. The slope of childhood, the pit of puberty, the ridge of adolescence, and the plateau of mediocrity. Everything stems from childhood. Most importantly, the development of the manufactured ego, which is the chronic source of our disease because we are not being ourselves. It's like being given someone else's name and forced to wear their clothes, and our life's job is being fake enough to convince someone else that who we are is who we say we are. But on the inside, feelings are amiss. The problem starts in childhood because of all the choices that were made, but not necessarily by us. As Noah said, 821, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. As children, we don't even experience our problems and all their consequences until we're adults. This is why Adam and Eve are like 30 when we meet them for the first time. And this is when they are finally aware of themselves. Same thing with Noah. He was so much older when he first realized it, but he had gone through the flood and achieved heaven again. It wasn't until then they looked back and realized what the source of all his problems really were. This is why Noah tells his son, Ham, that he's going to mess up Canaan just as he's trying to help Ham realize heaven is now. He doesn't want Ham to mess up Canaan in this moment by not being an instructive father. Noah is trying to get his son to not be this way. Ham, do not think heaven is somewhere else. It is here now. And do not allow your son to believe that heaven is somewhere else. From 18 to 80, we're all the same. We each have the individual power to create, destroy, or preserve our personal paradise on earth. Unfortunately, we've not been taught how to do it, and people just end up destroying their lives or end up falling through the cracks. Fortunately, this is where I come in. I'm going to help you see what it is you've been missing. Now, you're not lacking anything, like parts or pieces-wise. You've just been given a magic wand and been told it's a fork. But really, you are a living God and been told you're a mortal man. It's not that you can't use it to eat food with, but it's not really its intended purpose, nor are you using it to its fullest potential. If you also knew it was a magic wand rather than a fork, you would also realize you too were magical. By simply telling you this one wrong thing or not completely explaining it, your potential and power just went down the toilet. <laughs> and now you'll miss out on an entire world that is and has always been available to you. Unfortunately, you were made blind to it. Now, during the slope of childhood, we can't stop gravity, and we are helpless to become what our parents want us to be. However, we knew this coming in, so it's all good, no matter how tragic. If you had a horrible home life, I'm not blowing you off. I did as well. But after the healing has happened, you will look back and you will see it was all known. And you put yourself there so you could be right where you're at today. Now, the second stage, the pit of puberty, it's just a stage you got to get through. <laughs> but you realize part of the soul's experience is the whole human experience. And that means experiencing the body's growth and transformational process, as well as the environmental influences over the body. Nothing is forever when you're human, but this stage can feel like it. The third stage, the ridge of adolescence, is our rise in social groups within the school and community. It is the big social struggle of belonging and being part of a team from your conscious choosing. We will have our wins and our fails, ups and downs, but the level continues to rise, and so do we. 
until a point. Because the fourth stage is called the Plateau of Mediocrity. Bruce Springsteen said it best when he wrote Glory Days. People relive high school days and soon it'll be college days as the norm for the guys and the girls who can't get over how pretty or popular and wonderful they were back in the day. Oh, remember that time when I did this? Like a decade ago? Yeah. Have you done anything else since then? I made a baby. By yourself? I've done stuff, okay? (laughs) We are the creators of our entire personal existence, and we are the only ones who can create it. You might not believe that yet, but once you know how to use your natural, magical ability to control your world, you'll wonder why you hadn't been doing it sooner. Part 2. Adulthood. The fifth stage and the next step is a doozy. It's called the Cliffs of Insanity, and it's because we're all hanging on for dear life after we leave the nest. We have no idea what to do or where to go. We're just hanging on, because when you're uncertain about where to go, you'll cling to whatever you can just to keep from falling. It's understandable, because when you look down those thousand feet cliffs you're hanging from, there's a large river of blackness running through the valley of death. And the valley of death, like the land of Nod, is the stage where the depressed and downtrodden get swallowed whole, where you're able to hear the cries of uncertainty and fear coming from cliff dwellers above you, as well as the gnashing of teeth and the moaning of sadness from the people who surround you in the valley. Beyond the valley of death is the mountain of duty, the seventh stage in what most people believe to be the last and best. The mountain of duty has no top because it disappears into the clouds. It seems as if heaven can be found by climbing the mountain of duty. Unfortunately, it never stops ascending and you just get covered in duty, (laughs) but never actually find happiness, health, or fulfillment. But then again, how could you climbing a mountain of duty? Enlightenment happens when you transcend all the stages of adulthood and see the whole of all things. Where you're at, what you are, why you're here. And you'll also see everyone else's answers to those same questions. The specifics about every human's personal lives, however, you won't have that. But you will know the universal human condition for yourself. This transcendence is what all enlightened masters have seen and what everyone will see when they finally step into heaven. The eighth stage is called the fields of freedom. Because when you get back to the marketplace, there's still the living of your new human condition and the being and the belonging to the world that you will have to work at and work out for yourself. But hey, at least you're in a better place now. And this is what the eighth stage is all about. It is beyond Buddha. It is beyond enlightenment. It is the coming back home. It is the return and the fulfillment of being enlightened. It is the tenth plate where the man comes back down to the village. Abraham Maslow, an American psychologist and philosopher, was best known for his self-actualization theory of psychology which argued that the primary goal of psychotherapy should be the integration of the self. Maslow called this his hierarchy of needs. But he had a lot of resistance, because Western medicine doesn't believe the mind and the body are an integrated whole, and they see struggling at life as normal. So if you struggle, it's not because you haven't been taught correctly. Mm -mm. Nope. Something is definitely wrong with you rather than you simply needing assistance to become amazing. So, in all reality, you were never set up to be succeed at being you. Maslow then created a classification system which reflected the universal needs to society as its base and then proceeded to add more emotions after that. He was even said to be changing and switching it around all the way up to his death in 1970 because he wasn't, it wasn't quite working out for him. It is interesting that once you become enlightened, suddenly you can tell who is enlightened simply by their outlook. 
Although, like Lao Tzu, the Tao and the Wei are difficult to express and teach. So, what I've done is rearranged Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and combined it with my own discoveries over the years to help expand on his original thought of self-actualization. I call it the fields of freedom. Now, there are five fields or areas that we will each need to identify and define and take care of after we've achieved our awakening or enlightenment. Unlike Maslow's model, however, all the fields of freedom must be maintained and working at all times. Although, instead of having those things figured out by being born into an enlightened family, we simply hang on until we're 18 and then we have to deal with all these annoying patterns in our life that we need to fix. All of these fields, though, will lead you to your personal ability to be self-actualized, sustainable, and happy. Each of these areas has three elements to them, so there are about 15 things you'll need to work on and become proficient at, essentially. However, I've already hooked you up with some of the fields in some of the previous episodes. (laughs) The first field, and the primary focus of today's podcast, is called our fundamental needs, which includes clarity, touch, and fun. The second is home lifestyle, which includes reset, rehearse, and reflect. Third field is personal contribution, which includes love, outcome, and occupation. Boom! See, I told you, you're already moving towards it already. Bam. The fourth field is community integration, and in this area we have projects, organizations, and clubs, and partners. The fifth and final field is called self-advocation, and this area consists of planning, protecting, and preserving our happiness. Remember I talked briefly about the three challenges of man, which are actualization, creation, and communication? The challenge of communication, as we'll discover, will always be there. The challenge of creation, we've already talked a lot about with the flow of manifestation and playing pitch and catch with the universe. Our thoughts create emotions, which is how the universe speaks, and it throws back those emotions in forms of physical experiences that our bodies will then relay to our minds via feelings and sensations. Those feelings are interpreted by the soul, and then new thoughts are produced to change the experience, or are kept the same, to which new emotions are produced and new outcomes will ensue. We also talked a whole episode on actualization when I went into the six elements of the soul's compass. Having something to aim for is what allows us to grow in whatever direction, up, down, sideways, slantways. Now, the whole reason we're looking for the end or the completion first is because peace of mind The key to paradise on earth is only achieved when we're centered and aligned within all our individual human elements. This centeredness comes from certainty, and the only way to have certainty is to be able to recognize patterns. The second you're unfamiliar with something, uncertainty starts happening, and this uncertainty leads to stress, and the stress is the mother of all disease. Remember Eve, the mind? She's the mother of all living, and while stress is the mother of all disease. So, how do we eradicate disease? By being able to see the patterns in our life and stay aligned with those patterns as they continue to grow and move along. What is happening around the world is that everyone is a manufactured version of themselves, and we're all living with the idea that life is unknowable, chaotic, and horrible, and we should just hide in the hole until we die, and then we get to go to heaven. Now, from this perspective, it's really not hard to see why the world is the way it is. But if you believe it is impossible to know the patterns of life, to be completely happy, or if you have any doubts that life couldn't be known or understood, I have one word for you. Farming. (laughs) If life was truly chaotic, unknowable, and unpredictable, then farming would be impossible. If life was chaotic, how could the plant survive? If life was unknowable, then how is it that we have crops every single year? If life was absolutely unpredictable, then how is it that we have agriculture of any kind? 
Your Qubit tool can also help you see the patterns in your life. We've been discovering on Waking Up With Zen that the living world that surrounds us is actually a multi-dimensional mirror that reflects our beliefs, thoughts, emotions, words, and actions. Everything that surrounds us is just a direct reflection of ourselves, the one we've allowed ourselves to become. By understanding and being able to read the reflections, we can then know what is going on in our worlds. And this is the same thing with our sickness. Your symptoms are simply showing your imbalance in your life, which you yourself can change. There's no eradicating disease on a global scale as if it were a collective endeavor. There is only helping the individual to become their enlightened selves. And then your vibration becomes so high, disease doesn't manifest. It cannot manifest. The biggest problem most of us has have is that we are not aware, we're not mindful of what we are, what we're supposed to be doing, and the amount of time we're spending not listening to our intuition, not listening to our feelings, and not listening to our hearts. The living world that currently surrounds us is the result of all the answers we've been giving to the universe since we got here, since we became human. We were forced, however, during our childhoods to adopt answers that were not our own which is the source of all the chaos in our lives. And of course, manufactured answers will give you a manufactured life. So, you want to be dry. But what if you refuse to leave the water? This is essentially the absurdity that Zen masters see. When people want to hold on to their own behaviors and actions that are causing their own downfall, but they can't see it. Master, I want to be happy. How can I be happy? Get out of the water. Well, I heard that a towel will help dry me off. Could I have a towel? No, get out of the water. Why won't you let me be happy? You are making yourself unhappy. Get out of the water. I heard that when the tide goes down, I can be dry. Or you can just get out of the water. I probably need a wetsuit. That should keep the water off me, right? Idiot child, you are destined to suffer for the rest of your life. Stop doing things that don't make you feel good and start stacking time towards the things that make you happy. But I have this job, I have to have money, I have to get, do, work, blah, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. You are God and you are always right. Could God make a mountain so big even he couldn't move it? Damn right you can. You have the power to move worlds. And if you want to, you will win at your suffering every time. And there is nothing anyone can do about it. No one, not even Jesus himself, could make you happy. You have to do it. If someone did make you happy, and they did make you do it completely, then that would mean you're a puppet. You're not a puppet. You are a living God. Someone told you that you were not God, and you believed it. Hook, line, and sinker. Now all, now this all-powerful genie is using all of his power to keep himself in misery. All this conformity and prostration and lack of caring about you and your feelings is what is making you sick and diseased. It's not the air and it's not the germs. Even Jesus said we can eat poison and still live. I think he might have been talking about GMOs though. Your feelings talk to your soul through your body. But if you don't listen to those feelings, those feelings will start talking louder and causing greater unrest. If you wait some more, it'll soon start screaming at you. Wait even longer and it becomes disease. Do it even longer, it becomes a chronic disease. You have a personal guidance system that if you learn to pay attention to and listen to, will guide you on an efficient path to greater health, happiness, and fulfillment for the rest of your life. And this is why certainty is the only way to remove all disease within you and your life and will be the only way you can truly be happy. Only certainty will allow you to be actualized as your enlightened self. 
Only certainty will allow you to create with ease. And only certainty will make the challenge of communication seem less daunting. Awareness and mindfulness of you and everything that is you will lead to your certainty. However, you have to learn to be mindful and aware of all those things. And this is exactly why Noah has to do 450,000 cubits in seven days to discover all those underlying patterns in his own life. You see, it's all going to wrap back into the creation story and is the reason this story precedes everything you could ever want to know about why you're here and how to make the very best of it. When it comes to life, the universe, and our human condition, what you may have been taught and what you'd like to believe or what you would like to never be might be really far from what it is that's actually happening. Now, depending on where you're at and how sheltered your life might have been will determine the amount of tragedy or negative situations in order to become an indigo, an independent, non-dominating, intuitive, governing oneself. I will try my best to explain it and express it in the most loving of manners, although some of my material may not exactly feel like flower petals raining down from the sky. And sometimes it will. And this is because there are growing pains that will happen when you start down the path of personal enlightenment, but your path will be unique in that it is happening in the backdrop of 2021. All of your previous experiences you will revisit again, and self-preservation cannot be achieved by lazy methods. And you'll have to live through the bridging of the gap between here and there, and the you you are now, and the you you will become later. You'll have to learn coping and releasing strategies to let go of dogmatic, patriarchal or matriarchal obsessions and present-day social trends, as well as overcoming certain upbringings and traditions and successes you might have already been introduced to. Because unless you're an orphan, like me, who had to figure things out for yourself, your traditions can put you at a disadvantage to achieving your happiness because they will limit your highest potential as a living god. And even the orphan has to unlearn their hillbilly lifestyle to have the kind of life that is happy and healthy and fulfilling. <laughs> an enlightened lifestyle is an enlightened lifestyle. Regardless of time, space, age, or sex, we are all enlightened but went wrong because of our teachers. The calculations, solutions, and implementations are ancient, universal, and correct. It's all been said before, just not in a way we can all understand. My job as a healer, teacher, and guide is to help you, the seeker, to become an indigo and see your enlightened potential, understand how the universe works, and how to navigate this thing called life and in a down-to-earth way because it needs to be easy enough for a child to understand it. The biggest challenge is the focused commitment towards your personal happiness because doubt creeps in a lot of times and you have to keep going no matter what and at all costs. However, that extreme commitment is not until you've determined the six elements of your soul's compass. Name, energy, love, tribe, outcome, occupation. Otherwise, you end up running the risk of just being an ass because you're committed not to your own happiness, but to being right in someone else's eyes. In allopathic medicine, also known as modern or western medicine, a symptom is usually thought of as the patient's real disease. And then the goal is to hold back, decrease, or eliminate the symptom. This is often done without addressing the underlying cause or source of the disease, issue, or pain. Physicians and surgeons' goal, then, is to try and mask, hide, or cut out the symptom instead of removing cause or causes. The elimination of the symptom is not the same as the elimination of the disease. But this is how modern medicine deals with imbalance, through pills and surgery. From the holistic healer's perspective, Symptoms express the body's natural attempt to heal, but are not the cause or source of the disease. Disease will always manifest whenever there is imbalance between the individual and their life. Disease, like life, happens specifically and for a reason. Nothing is coincidental. 
sickness or pain is there in exactly the right place for you to know what the source of your own disease is. We have an internal guidance system known as our feelings, but men are taught not to feel, and so women have to take it all on. So men ignore their feelings, causing their own separation from their happiness, thereby causing sickness or an imbalance. Women, on the other hand, tend to be flooded by all the emotions, and it's hard to decipher which ones are truly theirs. Also, depending on the location and style of the disease, whether it's a cut, a scrape, whether you have swelling or a rash, will show you the source and underlying cause of your problem. This is why the suppression of symptoms is not actually helpful in the long run. Being aware and mindful are the key elements to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling mind, body, and life. How does healing happen, anyway? Since sickness starts with imbalance from your mind, and then time is compounded, healing starts also with your mind, and then you compound time, just in a new direction. Sickness is simply a separation from ourselves, our enlightened selves. We unconsciously, from our childhood, give ourselves sickness so we can remember who we are. And by separating ourselves, we leave something here or there. And once we're so far away from that part of ourselves we separated ourselves from, we become sick. The sickness will manifest in our body from the things we were separated from. It's like a little post-it note for our soul. Even though we might not mentally know what is causing the sickness, it is us who put it there. This is why the prime effects of belief determine where your head is, which will determine your end, because your head is your end. Whatever you believe to be true is and will become true, period. This reality of things happens because the law of attraction states that which is likened to itself is drawn. And by the power within you to create worlds, you naturally use this to destroy yourself. How, though? Literally, our time commitment to those answers we have about life. This is what I call stacking time. It is how we as human beings create. Day in and day out and moment by moment, we make decisions, have beliefs. We give answers to the questions that arise. And then life kept happening faster and faster because as you grew, you started noticing all the things surrounding you that were growing. And you just didn't realize it was you who was doing it. You thought it was just happening just because. This is how we each got to where we're at and wherever it is we're going both of which are determined by our individual answers and the time we spend working towards them. Louise L. Hay's first book, You Can Heal Your Life, absolutely love it. She discovered the source of our disease comes from our thoughts, but she goes a step farther and created a guide to our thought patterns and the diseases that manifest because of them. Our thoughts about who we are and why we exist determine everything in our personal lives. We just need to simply step back a couple of years or decades to realize where we got the original thought in the first place. Now, from a parental perspective, it's not difficult to recognize a sad or depressed child because they're simply not happy. This is just like an adult. They were convinced by someone else or society to not be happy about who they are and why they're here. And then their natural power as a living God made all those thoughts real. This is why on Waking Up With Zen, there has been a focus on going back to the source and origin of why you personally are here, because that is the only place you can find real health, happiness, and fulfillment. You, the soul part of you, chose to be here, and chose those specific people to be born to so you could have the body and the childhood to learn and grow from, so you would be in a perfect spot so that when you turn 30, you will be exactly where you need to be. Dr. James Newton, in his book, Journey of Souls, he goes through these numerous case studies of past life regressions, and we see how oftentimes we keep coming back to the same soul families and the same people over and over again through different lifetimes. From the Zen perspective, 
You are more than just your body and some blood levels. You are a multidimensional being, a living God. And your environment, your thoughts, and your belief in your personal power also have a great deal to do with your overall happiness, health, and fulfillment. I'll use the example of a headache. Now, technically, it's only physically hurting your head, but it actually affects your whole world. A headache affects how you speak and how much you speak. It affects how much you move and even how you move. Headache affects what you have the energy for as well. It affects the relationship encounters that you'll have or the lack thereof. More imbalance is being created all because of a headache. Now, if a simple headache can change your life that much, what if you were working a painful job, living in a broken family, or have a painful or damaged identity? What do you think that's going to affect? The real solution to your happiness health and fulfillment, is not a pill or the knife. The solution is to understand what caused it, and there are many possibilities other than blood levels. Was the headache caused by muscle tension? Are you stretching and getting body work done? Is it because you're staring at a screen all day? Are you in the wrong job? Was it from heavy drinking the night before? <laughs> are you struggling with finding your stride or your launching point? It could possibly be the barometric pressure changing. Are you living in the wrong environment? Headaches can be caused by sinus issues. Are you helping your immune system by eating locally grown fruits and vegetables? Is your headache from dehydration? Are you drinking enough water? Is it a natural tendency? Are you astrologically prone to sinus issues and headaches? Illness, pain, or disease does not occur without a cause, and the underlying cause of the disease must be discovered and removed or treated before a person can actually recover completely from illness. We're told by modern medicine that their healing methods are considered practices and not absolutes, nor do they give anyone or are they intended to guarantee certain things to anyone. But they talk and act like it is. That's why I created my business. Zen therapies, to help you treat the source of your disease rather than to merely eliminate or suppress symptoms. However, that can mean some very serious soul-searching and extreme lifestyle changes in order for you to be happy, healthy, and fulfilled. Since allopathic-style medicine was introduced, or ocular medicine as I call it, because they have to have their eyes and see it for their eyes, it has always kept the mind separate from the body. And it doesn't even bother with your soul or even factor in the environment you exist in. Today, this style of medicine prevails in our American healthcare system and is believed to be the elite of the elite around the world. And yet, America is one of the most unhealthy and unhappy countries in the world today. Our doctors are nothing more than college kids with clipboards, who divvy out medications and look for surgery as the only alternative to your issue or pain in your body. Unfortunately, the system itself does not believe in the curing of disease, only the suppression of symptoms and the return of a customer. Reiki was introduced into the hospitals, not as a means of healing, but because the hospitals were losing out on money and needed a way to keep people from leaving the hospital. People were discovering that Reiki was a more holistic approach to health and wellness because it actually takes into account their mind, their body, and their soul. Unfortunately, the hospitals won't even recognize certain abilities of the ancient healing art because their instruments are not sophisticated enough to relay back what is going on with the healer. Also, the sciences don't all agree with one another either, even in the medical field, causing even more confusion to the patient who simply wants to get better. The hospitals do not recognize that distance healing works and so do not recognize the Reiki 2 credentials because it offers anyone the ability to heal over time and space. However, distance does not matter to quantum mechanics and physics, and that science recognizes that Reiki 2 is possible across time and space. Unfortunately, the Western medical system does not. Modern medicine can't even see thought, therefore it doesn't believe it has any influence over you or your life. 
It doesn't believe your thoughts don't have control over your body. They say, oh, your gland is simply overactive. I have a pill to turn that off. They do not see that your mind controls the glands within your body. They believe the gland is separate from the mind and it does what it wants. And you as a being have no control over your glands. This is not entirely correct. Let me put it to you another way. If you were to go to the psychiatrist, which is an MD who works with brain chemistry, who says, oh, you're depressed and having suicidal thoughts, here's a medication to turn off those parts of your brain. It's the brain or some gland that's over-functioning. I'm sure of it. No, no, no. It's not your excruciatingly tragic home life. That should have no effect on your body or your feelings or your thoughts. Everyone has a mom and a dad and an unfortunate upbringing, so we'll nix that off the list. Hmm. Let me check your blood chemical levels again. Maybe that's it. Here, give me your arm. Let me penetrate you. Because Western medicine doesn't believe in the mind-body connection, it opened a door to the world of psychology, which was created as a completely different branch of healing science. Psychologist Sigmund Freud's sex obsession has penetrated our society and created its own problems in our present-day world. The position and value of sex on Maslow's pyramid has also been a source of criticism regarding his hierarchy. That's why I moved it down to the fourth level. Maslow's hierarchy places sex in the needs category, the first level, along with food and breathing. It lists sex solely from an individualistic perspective. From Freud and many other male counterparts, sex was put into the human needs category. You have to have it. It's for your health. This is completely understandable, and I get it, especially when you look at the history of our anti-sex upbringing with the Puritans and other religious barkings we had to endure over the years. And as a man's man in our unbalanced patriarchal society, this idea might be wonderful because, yeah, doing the dirty is going to make me feel better. Uh. Thanks, Dr. Freud. However, on the flip side of this, women were forced into some pretty disgusting activities against their will. Women would suffer, quote-unquote, issues, and the remedy would be they need more sex. Now, if you say you agree with Freud's theory, <laughs> be aware of what you're saying when it comes to happiness and healing. If you believe Freud, then you have to start agreeing to things that you might not like. If sex is absolutely necessary, like food and oxygen, then that means you need to go give grandpa a full release if his blood levels aren't right. Or, men, you need to take grandma in the back room and give her what she needs. She's dying, for Christ's sake. She made you soup when you were sick, you remember that? Well, now it's your turn. She needs this. Freud says so. It's part of our nature. I guess it'll be your fault grandma dies then. You're the only guy that's close enough to home. Bobby can't fly all the way in from Albuquerque to give grandma her medicine, Dad. Do you love grandma at all? The human body contains around five liters of blood, which is about one and a third gallons. Now, blood is not only in your veins and heart, it is also in your bones, in your muscles, organs, and even your skin. It is the blood that circulates through our whole body that delivers nutrients and the necessary chemicals as well as transports toxins and waste to the waste excreting system. Now, with all those things to fill with blood, you realize that means there's only so much blood that can be used to digest food or oxygenate and move nutrients to the muscles so you can run away from whatever it is that's chasing you. Now, the two systems that control these parts of yourself are known as the peripheral nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. When one system kicks on, the other system lets go of control. Now, the autonomic nervous system, or the ANS, takes care of a lot of things that go on in our body, so we don't consciously have to utilize our conscious mental power to make it happen. Making your heart beat, or fight off a virus, or help heal from a scrape when you fall. And we don't need to tell ourselves to sweat, or tell every single muscle how and where to move in order to pick up a glass to drink some water. All you have to do is let your body do its natural thing. 
there's another system called the PNS, or the peripheral nervous system. Now, the PNS is in charge of digestion and growth. The interesting thing about the PNS is that it only can do its job or is only active when you are relaxed and stress-free. As soon as anyone is stressed out or scared, the mind will automatically go into fight-or-flight response, which is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. Now, your heart starts to beat faster, and suddenly the blood starts beating and being forced to the muscles in order to be ready to respond to the supposed threat. This actually, by doing this, this actually stops the digestive system from working, because now there's no blood to supply the organs to digest the food. Now, when you're calm and relaxed and at ease, your blood is stopped from being forced to the external parts of your body, arms, legs, hands, and feet, and starts to drain back towards the head and torso, the heart and torso, excuse me. Now, the body has an opportunity to relax those muscles and heal those parts of ourselves and replenish the cells with nutrients. This is also the time when digestive enzymes start to be generated, and now you can move the food that you ate earlier down through its natural course. However, you'll have to use your ANS again in order to release those used products. Now, these systems are both important. Don't think one is any better than the other. A balanced and aligned system is not one-sided. However, we oftentimes in our modern world continually spend our lives in a constant, chronic state of stress. Experiencing some stress is normal and even beneficial to your health, but over months and years, persistent surges of adrenaline can damage your blood vessels, they can increase your blood pressure, and elevate your risk for heart attack or stroke. It can also result in increased anxiety, weight gain, headaches, and insomnia. This is why stress is known as the mother of all disease. Imagine yourself walking barefoot down a winding forest path at night. It's a lovely night. The stars are shining as you catch glimpses of them through the trees. As you walk, you feel the cool, soft ground, the path on your feet as you walk along. Keeping your focus on the stars as they peek through the leaves, suddenly your foot steps on something. It moves. You're not sure whether it's a snake or a stick, and you instantly retract your foot as the blood, which was moving slowly through your body, is now grabs some adrenaline on its way through the body, delivering it to your muscles. Nerves instantly fire, squeezing the muscles and moving the skeleton up in the air as your body heaves air from your diaphragm past your vocal cords as you jump back, screaming. It's too dark to see, and your foot wasn't able to tell what it was, so you bolt for your house. Finally at home, Your body has had time to flee the scene, and you feel you're safe, but uncertain about the whole thing. You lie in bed that night, thinking about whether it was a snake or a stick. The uncertainty of the situation keeps you from letting go of the memory, and the trauma keeping you from getting real, restful sleep. The next morning you wake up and walk back to the spot you freaked out at and see a stick in the middle of the path. You laugh at yourself for being such an idiot for freaking out over nothing. So, what was really true about that situation? It was not really a snake, but the body, because of the mind's uncertainty, was forced to believe it was real. All of the elements stepping on the snake came true. The body was flooded with adrenaline and other endorphins. The body ran away. Once the mind felt safe, the body could then calm down and the heart rate would return to normal-ish, but not necessarily having feelings of complete certainty, though. It's not until the next day when you wake up and you see for yourself to know for certain it was not a snake that you truly return to your normal state. Quantum mechanics has already proven when you physically look at an apple and then close your eyes and simply imagine that apple, the brain fires as if it were actually looking at that apple. This is the same as our lives. The mind directs the ANS and the PNS, and technically, you don't really have control over your digestion or your heartbeat or your healing. They just happen for you when you align with certain states of mind. Although, you are able to help them speed things along 
and encourage faster resetting of the mind and body by making the body do specific things that benefit it. The mind, Eve, is the mother of all living, and she controls what the body, Adam, does. The mind's desire is to serve the body. They both work together like the ANS and the PNS to help you achieve balance and alignment within yourself and the world you exist. From the American Indian perspective, knowledge is medicine. And by learning how to see those patterns in your life, you will be able to achieve peace of mind because you know the pattern and can therefore roll with it and work with it rather than being dumbfounded and uncertain, which is the cause of stress, which is the cause of disease. Although, in an amazingly destructive way, we actually encourage the engagement of, our, of disease and our fight and flight as a form of relaxation. <laughs> Simply because in today's modern age, we love watching movies and shows and the news as a way of winding down for the night, relaxing at home, or it's just our idea of resting. By doing this, however, the ANS kicks in because suddenly there's uncertainty again. Unfortunately, instead of using all those flexing muscles to actually move our bodies around, we simply clench our bodies staying seated and stagnant while the adrenaline glands saturate our muscles and the blood sprints around our bodies. This is what happens when we watch our crime dramas or our reality TV shows or our fail videos. So even though that bad guy is not real and that newscaster is only reading a teleprompter and the game is too close to call, and even though none of it is real, your ANS and your flight or flight is in full swing. All of that blood being forced by our hearts to pump into our arms and legs because you are stressed out and you can't predict what will happen next. A majority of what we experience on television, our tablets or the computer, is impossible for us to change or do anything about. It literally becomes this well of destruction. Plus, we do nothing with all of those natural drugs coursing through our bodies as we watch TV and can't leave the location or position we're in. It's like putting on a full fireman's gear and then going to sit on the beach for a summer tan. Now your body is sweating, extremely confused, and your mind is confused wondering why this is happening because none of it is actually real. way to look at it? Let's eat and watch the tragedies of the world unfold on the news so our food can sit in our stomachs until we turn off the TV and go to bed. Unfortunately, it will take some time for our minds to calm down from all the excitement and our bodies some time to flush out all the endorphins that were rushing through it a little bit ago. Now we've finally gone to sleep, but now our body has to digest the food that was thrown in our stomachs while we were out running marathons. Acid gets turned on to break down the food, but instead of being vertical to help the digestion process, you are now horizontal, and the acid is at the top of your stomach, sloshing backwards towards your esophagus, giving you late-night heartburn and indigestion. You take your antiacid, and the acid stops, and so does the digestion, until the next morning. But because the food wasn't properly digested the night before, your body has to work even harder to break down the food now. If you have a sedentary job, you will not experience the jostling of the body through singing, dancing, laughing, or playing, which is how we achieve fun in the fundamental needs category. Food also had a hard time moving through the colon with lack of movement. However, most of us have a belief a lazy job or an easy job for someone today, meaning lack of movement is favored to be a better or more prestigious job. But if you add worry to your lifestyle, an element of uncertainty, your stomach will tighten up and even feel twisted, furthering the stoppage of waste through the large intestine. Once again, stress is the mother of all disease. Ian Zell Lungold was a researcher, speaker, jeweler, and the creator of the Mayan Calendar and Conversion Codex. He had a workshop on the Mayan Calendar and stated how we could utilize astrology to recognize a specific time and space with a specific purpose and intention, and the alignment of these two things would help us succeed in our lives by having peace of mind, also known as heaven on earth. Ian said, peace of mind comes from being centered. Being centered comes from certainty, and certainty comes from recognizing patterns. 
uncertainty is the causer of stress, and stress is the mother of all disease. Now, we only have to recognize the patterns in our own lives in order to have peace of mind. Once again, we recognize patterns in our individual lives, we know how to respond to them. Like anything, learning takes time and practice to get proficient and for it to become second nature. However, it is the learning to see and be aware of these patterns and the practice of our ideal responses to them that's what allows us to be happy, healthy, and whole. The hard and the long part of the whole process is the discovery of all the moving parts. Practice is normal, getting better at a new skill is normal, but when you don't know what you're supposed to be practicing or what skill you are to be developing, you can end up wasting a lot of time and everything can become futile or irrelevant if you get caught up on one side or the other. That is why astrology is such a big deal because it already has the patterns explained. And all that's left for you to do is align with those ideal elements. You quickly recognize the patterns in your own life. And once you can orientate yourself to this present space and time and are aware of who you are and how to align with the time as it moves and space as the planets shift and seasons change and the world goes round, you will be experiencing a personal paradise on earth. And this is why Lao Tzu says, he that knows others is wise, but he that knows himself is enlightened. This is the key. You. You are the key along with your feelings and thoughts and reasons for existing. What you don't know is that you picked up a whole bunch of stressful patterns from mom and dad and your social upbringing. We all want to be normal or fit in, and we will always fall into the social and home norms of our life. However, what happens is that instead of searching for ourselves and our own personal desires when we become 18 and independent, we keep looking to see how we can fit in with the in-crowd, whether at work or in the neighborhood. Although we don't realize these actions and behaviors of following someone else's desires takes us farther away from our own happiness and health, eh, now these patterns of following someone else's worlds, because they're always changing, makes it impossible for you to be able to predict and be certain about your life and all those moving parts, thereby causing you stress. Which leads to the overuse of the ANS and adrenaline glands, and eventually we have a stroke and die. <laughs> or we've clenched our muscles so much that not moved enough in all these years that now our muscles are beginning to crush our bones. Muscles never stop, and bones can only hold on so long, especially if we have no reason for living, or moving, or dancing. So, how is it that the brain is able to do all of this? Technically, it's not the brain that moves things around. It's the soul. Or what I call the Infinite Creative Consciousness, or ICC. The ICC, or soul, as most of us know it, becomes bonded to the complex, finite form of our mind, body, and reality that each of us live in. The ICC is what animates all the things we experience in our lives. When we die, the brain, body, and world don't go away. All those things are simply suddenly stagnant. All the pieces that we see of that person still remain. They just aren't active. So what is it that animated the body? Push the minds or manifested those environments. From my own experience, it is the soul. When I was 23, I almost died of an accidental drug overdose, and for three days, I was unable to get back to my body. It was cool when it first happened, but then the panic sets in when I couldn't get back. It's not a bragging thing. It actually terrified me enough for me to let go of everything. I dropped out of college, And I started searching for the meaning of life, the universe, and my human condition. You are more than just your body, I assure you, from my own first-hand account. You've just never been able to notice the separation before. The soul is not only infinite, creative, and conscious. It also has the ability to become human. Our soul animates our mind and body, and this energy is picked up on the EKG, the MRI, the infrared, etc. Because when the soul's gone, so are the readings of the energy that is no longer there. Now, how is it that the soul energizes the mind and moves the body? 
Well, once the soul bonds itself with a complex finite form for the duration of human existence, there are energy sources, lines, and fields that run through, over, and around our human body. The soul literally encases the human form rather than being a sliver of a soul within, which I think is how most people see the soul harboring the body. It's just like this little wispy thing that's on the inside of us. But here's something interesting. In yoga, they say flexible mind means flexible body. If you talk to an anesthesiologist, you'll discover that everyone can be made to do whatever when knocked out. Once the patient is out, before the drugs they could not reach their toes can now be easily made to do all manner of limber movements. However, once they come to, suddenly they are once again unable to touch their toes. I ask you again, what is it that really inhibits our range of motion or keeps us from doing things? The mind controls the body. The body does not make the body move. The mind makes the body move, speak, take action, sit still, give up, let go, not care, be bad at things, and even unable to do things. Like Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. These energy sources are known as chakras. You might have heard of them. Or wheels of light, which have a front and a back side to each of them. And there are seven main chakras in the body, which also line up with the glands in our physical bodies. Pituitary, thyroid, adrenals, testes, etc. Those chakras give off different vibrational energy fields, which can extend six to eight feet from the person in all directions. Above them, below them, all the way around. And when consciously focused, this energy can be extended farther or retracted to almost nothing. Most of us do this unconsciously, though. In order for these chakras to communicate with each other and move things around the body and move the body itself, there are multiple sets of energy lines. Now, there are 12 major energy lines that focus on organ function and the inner workings of the body. There are two other types of energy lines which are used to move the body through levers and pulleys that can twist and roll in all ways that it does. Now, the amazing thing that I discovered is that these energy lines that move the body are essentially segmented magnetic pulleys. So, how is the blood moved around the body as it goes from fight or flight and rest and digest? Through the magnetic ability of the function of the lines. The iron in our blood is used as a means to grab and move it around the body. Our whole body is a magnetic field and is what the EKG and MRI and all the other instruments are actually reading. The magic of body work and why all forms of body work, massage, etc. actually work is because your hands reconnect the energy line network along the segments of the magnetic lines. This demagnetizes the lines, freeing the iron in the blood, allowing the body and its functions to return to normal. Yeah. And this is the concept of Thai yoga massage, shiatsu, acupressure, and meridian massage. Chinese medicine adds acupuncture, gua sha, and fire cupping to achieve the same end results of the demagnetizing of these lines. Now, touch is also what keeps children from dying. <laughs> and why holding a crying child can actually soothe them. If you talk to a pediatrician, you'll discover that babies will literally die without touch. They will stop eating and waste away. Touch, not sex, releases the magnetization of the lines, allowing the body to return to balance. And this is why we naturally grasp a pain or a trauma with our hands when we get hurt and even how being in someone's presence can actually make you feel better because you are touching their auric fields with yours. Now, on the flip side of this, our muscles are known to hold memories, meaning that when someone is touched in a place where trauma had happened previously, the memory will flood their mind, forcing it to go back to the trauma. Not necessarily reliving it, but they're able to recall it again. And this is why people can have emotional releases during a session, because of the resurgence of the past memory in the muscle. Touch can hug older traumas, then allowing it to be removed from the mental aspect of the trauma by reassuring the mind that it's okay. Just like the snake and the stick, 
once you got home and you saw and you got back out the next day and you saw the stick in the middle of the path, suddenly everything was okay again. And this is the same thing that mom and grandma does when they kiss it better. Just as the mind makes the body move, we can actually move the body, manipulating the freeing of the mind from the past trauma. And touch reduces anxiety, stress, lowers blood pressure, stimulates healing and digestion, and even grounds people into themselves. Touch will even work on our animal friends, just like us. They have the same chakras, lines, and auric fields. I do it on my golden every once in a while. He loves it. I call it Thai puppy massage. <laughs> and you can feel for the channels in your puppy, your kitty, or your horse. It will feel like um, a little divoted channel in the muscle, but it won't stay on the muscle. It'll actually travel over the bone and beyond the muscle's origination and insertion points to other parts of the body. And if you try to do it and they yelp or don't like it, just like people, oftentimes that is where a channel of energy is blocked. And by touching it or pushing on it, it can sometimes feel painful. But the separation and the pulling apart of the magnets makes the pain go away. And this is why massage therapists get this all the time. Ouch, that's too much pressure. The reason is not our pressure. It has to do with the client's lack of body awareness. It hurts because they are imbalanced in that location. But we're told living with some pain is normal. But at Zen Therapies, this is not how we see things. The therapist is giving you an opportunity to be aware of what it is you are neglecting in your life and what you're avoiding or not paying attention to. It hurts, not because of the therapist. It is because of the things you're not seeing in your own life. Your sickness is showing you the imbalances in your own life, which you yourself can change. Your feelings talk to your soul through your body, but if you don't listen, your feelings start talking a little louder and causing greater unrest. And if you wait too long, it can become debilitating. You have a specific thing that you're supposed to be doing, and only you can know what those things are for certain. Astrology, numerology, and reflection tools can get you in the right vicinity, but it is you who must determine where to go by your taste alone. Remember, the misalignment is not a bad thing. It's the map to your personal happiness because it tells you specifically how and why you are out of alignment. This separation from your ideal life is the cause for your disease in your body. Disease, along with sadness, depression, suicidal thoughts, will go away if you're aligned, soul, mind, body, and future. Once you recognize those negative patterns in your life, switch them to positive ones and simply keep focusing on the positive ones. Focused thought stacked over and over again is what will change your life. You've always created this way. You just didn't know it. Now that you do, you don't have to change what you're doing. You need to change what you believe and what you are thinking. That will change the container, thereby changing the experiences you will have. Because the container determines the creation, and the creator determines the container. Thanks again for listening to Waking Up With Zen. If you're on your own journey to spiritual liberation and enlightenment, please visit my website at www.zenkatori.com. There you can find enlightened information, class opportunities, and book healing sessions. There are additional products as well to help you on your journey to self-actualization and the manifestation of a happy, healthy, and enlightened you. Be well on your journey, whether searching for the bull, guiding the bull back home, or building up the confidence to come back down to the marketplace. And I'll see you next Sunday on Waking Up With Zen.